What is possible? Do we have limits? And if so, can we push beyond them? If we go beyond something defined as the outermost possibility, was it really a limit in the first place? Are limits static, or do they shift and flow with time? It's rare to have the opportunity to test your limits and see what you're truly capable of achieving. To me, I felt that distance was no longer a limit, and that given enough time and resources, I was capable of just about any distance. Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to episode 66 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And that was just a taste of the uh, recent YouTube video I put up on running the Moab 240, so I finally put together the clips. Big shout out to Dave Bronlick, who took the vast majority of that video, along with all my pacers, who just were absolutely phenomenal. So, trying to share that experience with you hopefully inspires you and motivates you to get out and go for your, go for your dream goals. Go for your limits, test your limits. So, Janine Barron, Hungry Runner Girl, not your typical ultra running interview. So it's um I'm really excited about this because she's worked for 8 years to run a, a sub 3 hour marathon and she's stayed super determined throughout this whole process and she finally did it. It was if you haven't read her um race recap, she details it. It's it's very cool that she finally accomplishes this huge marathon goal, and after all of that, her, the next thing she's going after is a 50-mile ultramarathon. So I had to reach out. <clears throat> I had a friend who uh, regularly reads that blog and was like, holy cow, Like that's crazy that she's almost doubling her distance, and you have to hear more about like what she's going after, why she's going after it, so... I reached out to her, and she uh, she was super, super humble. She's uh, probably one of the top 10 most famous bloggers on running in the whole world. And uh, so it was cool to reach out to her and hear just how humble she was about, you know, starting to train for her first ultra marathon. Um, so it was truly a pleasure speaking with her, and actually look forward to hearing some more updates on how her training's progressing, and how her race ends up going. So I wanted to reach out to show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition. They've been a big supporter before Training for Ultra even was a thing. So huge, huge thank you to Hammer Nutrition. If you want to try them out, feel free to use my promo code 252888. You'll save 15% off your first order. Big thank you to Sufferfest Beer. They have huge distribution in Colorado, California, and uh, just a big fan of um, everything they produce. Thank you to Destination Trail and Candace Burt. They've been a big supporter of the show. Helped me get out there to Moab 240. And last but not least, uh, Exoskin. If you want to try out some toe socks or no toe socks, they have a uh, super high-tech material that I used at Moab without any blisters, which is super weird. Uh, I cannot guarantee the same results there, but it's a thinner, high-tech material. You don't have to wash it very often, and uh, you don't even dry them. They just air dry. And I, I had someone reach out. They're like, uh, I, I don't know if I want to try those. I was like, they didn't smell at all, and they were totally sold after the fact that you can wear them 
three or four times without having to wash them and they don't smell. Um, but yeah, they gave us a generous promo code T the number four U 20 for 20, 20% off your order with them. So appreciate that. And thank you to the Patreon supporters. You guys are awesome. You're making this all work. And little, little known fact is the Patreon crew was a big supporter, big reason that YouTube video running four days the title came together because of them a lot of the editing of the video came together because of them and i'm just very thankful for all of you guys you know who you are and let's see here working on continue to to write the book it's available for pre-order training for ultra ultra running stories from the middle of the pack Uh, it's available for pre-order trainforultra.com so thank you hope hopefully you guys enjoy this episode it's different it's cool i really really like you know the perspective of of just starting to toy with the idea of ultras and we get to just go over some really cool stuff so thanks for the support and enjoy the episode i'm joined here by janae Barron. she is the hungry runner girl janae thanks for joining me on the training for ultra podcast Oh, goodness. Thank you for having me. I'm here to learn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. the reason I reached out, I, I have a friend that is a regular reader of your blog, and she was like, "Are did you know that, you know, Janae's going to go for an ultra marathon? And I was like, no, like, I, I'll admit I don't <laughs> regularly read your blog. I've, I've definitely looked through it, oh. and I've heard of you before, which is kind of weird because you're mostly focused on marathons and half marathons, yes. mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. Um, your name had come up in the past, but I just thought it was a cool opportunity to hear more about you crossing over from the world of marathoning to now ultras. Yeah, a few people have said, oh, I'm glad you're joining the dark side now. So I don't know what that means <laughs> yet. I'm a little nervous, but also kind of excited to see what that means. I hear this is very addicting. So this might be a whole new way of life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is addictive for sure. And it attracts a lot of addictive personalities. It's just extreme. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's like a bunch of extreme sports that you're all too aware of. I mean, it's once you get past the marathon distance, things get extreme. And yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's more rewarding. I mean, I'm by no means, you know, a fast runner. I haven't run a sub three hour marathon like you, Um, (laughs) but yeah, the experiences I take away from some of the hardest races are like Mm -hmm. so much better than the ones that go well. So totally. Uh, I cannot wait. We are very excited. March will be our first one ever. Well, I've done a trail half marathon before, but that was a few years ago. So it wasn't an ultra. So this will be my first ultra trail. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And just for the listeners background, um, or for the listeners sake, can you give us just a little bit of your background and then let's just dive in. I'd like to hear a little bit about your most recent marathon because I know it's a big goal of yours. And then let's talk ultra running and see see where it goes. Yeah, (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, I am Janae and yeah, thus far I've just been doing road races really and focusing on that. I've been a runner since I was about 12 years old. My sister, was running late at night and my mom didn't like that because she was all on her own. So she sent me a 12 year old (laughs) out with her to protect her (laughs) on the roads. But I mean, ever since then, it's been kind of a part of my life. And I started doing marathons in 2010. And after my first marathon, I said, I'm going to get a sub three marathon. And it took me eight years to get there and a lot of injuries, a lot of failures and a lot of everything. And so that was really nice to finally get that. Um, I taught high school for a few years and started a blog just for fun because I wanted to track everything. And then about a year and a half or two years into it, that turned into a full-time job. So I was able to switch over to blogging and I get to follow my passion every day with work and write about it, talk about it with other runners and be part of this community. And then I have three little kids. Brooke and Knox are six years old. So Knox is my stepson and, um, and then Brooke's my daughter and they are just five weeks apart, which is kind of crazy. 
how that happened. And they are the best of friends and so cute. And then we have a little girl named Sky, and she is a year in like two weeks. So I don't know how she's a year. Okay. (laughs) Yep. I heard heard you had like a million people try to guess her name and not a single person guessed it or something to that. No one guessed it. I think somebody guessed Skylar. And so I ended up giving her the prize for it, but yeah, no one guessed it. We were really shocked. We thought tons of people would guess it. So you like legitimately probably had a million people who (laughs) guessed. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think there was like 1600 people that guessed. So that was pretty crazy. So we're trying, we're, um, we like the one syllable names for our kids. So that's kind of what we went with with that. And then, yeah, I just love to run and I love being a mom and love my job. And, and so, yeah, the sub three marathon, um, finally happened. Like all the stars aligned. I had a really good training cycle and, um, I felt really strong during the race. We had, it was the St. George marathon. So some years it's really hot there. And this year was the year where, there was a light drizzle of rain, a nice tailwind and perfect conditions. And so I felt really lucky with how that all worked out. And, um, so yeah, so the sub three marathon happened and then it was kind of like, okay, now what do I want to do? I'm very goal driven. And so it's like, okay, what's next? Okay. Another marathon, try to go for sub two fifty five, or what's, what's the next goal. And my husband and I were talking and we've kind of always wanted to do something together that would push both of us. So like, for example, he's, he's done an Ironman before. So us doing like a triathlon together, that wouldn't push him. It would just be pushing me. You know what I mean? Or us doing a marathon together. I'm a little faster. And so it wouldn't be pushing, like it would just kind of, I don't know. We wanted something that would both be brand new to both of us and like a challenge. And so we decided a 50 miler. Um, and I don't know why we're not doing a 50 K first. We might be kicking ourselves on race day. Why we haven't climbed up the ladder a little bit slower, but yeah, we're just excited to try something different. And honestly, it feels like a completely different sport to me. I went with a friend, we only did like eight miles, but we did like 2,700 feet of gain and three and a half miles or something. And I was seriously feeling like this is a whole different sport than what I'm used to of the roads. Like this is a whole different world. <laughs> so it's to- totally to different. It's totally different. Yeah. Um, your documentary. I watched that on Sunday and it was, I, I don't, I don't know how you did that, but it was really (laughs) fascinating to watch. Like it was a little scary to watch because I just can't imagine doing that. So I'm impressed. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're the first person to mention it on the podcast. That's kind of cool. It Um, was awesome. It was so good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's on YouTube for the listeners background. Um, We'll get into that. Let's not jump the gun. Let's take our time here. We'll take the time. (laughs) What I'm most impressed about is your determination to break three hours. You had this benchmark and you didn't give up. And most people, including myself, I think, and I've taken the grit scores and they're all off the charts and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Your grit score would exceed mine because I would have given up after five or six years, I think. And the fact that you stuck with it, you had a bunch of changes happening behind the scenes, you know, totally. yeah, in your, in your life and you still stuck with it and you achieved it and it's just phenomenal. And totally. yeah, I read through your race <laughs> report and I know you're inspiring a lot of people to run. And so that's yeah. first and foremost why I'm talking to you. Second of all, you're going to do really well in the ultra running world because during your race report, you talked about having to go to the bathroom. And that's that's part of the ultra running community. Is it okay? Prepare I'm welcome. Prepare yourself. I think my mom still about, about that. About that think... and puking. Like, like you will be shocked at what you see and talk about. So, oh, I bet. Yeah, I think my mom's still kind of embarrassed that I talked about that on the internet, but it had to be said. <laughs> Things oh, happen, but I. I couldn't go off to the porta potty. I was only, I only made my goal by 46 seconds. So if I would have taken a porta potty wow. break, like I would have missed it. So I'm kind of glad, kind of proud of myself. For, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's like, it's just preparing me for trail running. It sounds like. I mean, okay. So trail no running, judge. you're going to have more time. So you will actually yeah. stop unless you're winning the race, which, um, you know, it, we're not aiming for that. There, right there now. are people that might take it to the extreme, but most people would um, 
you're less stressed out about looking at your watch. So you mm -hmm. do have two minutes and you time it out with uh, like how you're feeling. So if you need a, a short break after a big climb or something, that's when you time out a pee break. So. Yep. Yep. See, and that's, what's so interesting to me in this transition already is for the last, I don't know, eight years, I've been so of when I was training for marathons or half marathons and things like I've been so obsessed with the splits and all the Garmin data and, um, not stopping, not taking breaks. And this, this is just so different because you, you can't actually finish these ultras if you are running up, if you don't ever take walking or hiking breaks, you know what I mean? And so yeah. this is a flip unless, that I'm trying unless to get used you're to. like a super elite. Um, they, but I think secretly they do take, uh, some walking breaks here and there. I'm not sure I can't call. I mean, I don't think Jim Walmsley took many of them at Western States this year. Um, yep. but yeah, there's definitely a strategic component and that's actually what drew me to the sport more than anything is like, you have to be thinking on your feet at all times. I mean, yes, you'll, you'll turn off your brain and run, but problem solving on the fly is like a real big challenge. And that's why you see so many people that have like doctorate degrees, like super smart people will be out here um, running ultras because you have to be good at problem solving on the fly. You can't just turn your brain off and run for two or three hours because it just takes a bad 10 or 15 minutes of not totally. thinking and not problem solving to then, you know, you'll hear the dreaded totally. DNF. I don't know if, are you familiar with the term DNF? Is that even a marathon? Yes, do not finish. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that okay. is. But I'm sure it's not as much as as um, these ultras. But, yeah, I mean, that's one thing with running. I've just been able to go for two hours and shut off my brain and just kind of zone out, too, sometimes. But, yeah, you can get away with running for two hours without with messing up your fueling or not thinking about some of these things. But in totally. ultras, you cannot miss this fuel every hour and things like that. So that's going to be a learning curve too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so I've been obsessed with testing my limits with distance for, I'm going on my fourth year now. Year, I, I, saw I, that. I started from like a super low, like I was going to be put on Lipitor. I was in bad shape actually. Really? Um, and I love your story because you've been totally focused on speed for an obsessive amount of time also. And yep. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is where the worlds collide and that's why I'm having you on. Like I'm, I'm just, awesome. I appreciate you taking the time and I'm excited. I know the ultra running world is going to have open arms for both you and your husband and hopefully your kids here soon too. So yes. um, it's a very, yep. very welcoming community and accepting community because we're all, we're all the freaks of the, of the other groups that we're in, you know, like totally. It's, um, it's amazing. We're all well, kind that's of the outliers. I, so, Oh, for sure. I went with, um, a guy that did hard rock this last summer, the hard rock 100. And I was so slow and holding him back and he could have just ran laps around me the entire time, you know? And he was just so like, whatever, let's get you with all my friends. And, you know, just so welcoming because obviously I'm at a way lower level than he is. And yet he took my husband and I on like an awesome run and yeah, everyone's just been so welcoming already. It's really, it's I really mean, cool to see. I'll already throw it out there. If you guys are ever in Denver, let me know. So, Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. It's, and so, so fun. of all the ultra races available, um, and we all joke about ultra sign up. So did you find yourself on ultra sign up? Because that's kind of like an ultra runners. Uh, it's probably in our top Google websites. If you're an ultra runner, like, you know, how you pull up Google and it has your most oh, visited yeah. websites. Yep. It makes a top eight. If you're an ultra runner, um, really? <laughs> did you tell oh, me, I don't even know about this. So <laughs> the reason I chose the ultra that we're doing, um, is my good friend, Toby did the hundred miler there. And well, she's also done the 50 miler there too. And so we've been good friends over the years. And so hearing about her experiences with the race and how it went for her and everything, I think that's kind of what drew me to it. And also my husband's parents live right by Antelope Island. So it was kind of like, 
oh, awesome. We have babysitters too, because <laughs> then we can go practice there on the trails and have his parents watch our kids. <laughs> so that's, that's half the battle so when you have kids, drawing. when you have I kids don't. and you're an ultra runner. Um, yeah, that, that is seriously half the battle. Um, and so did you look at the course profile or, or anything? Yes, I did do that. I did do that. And my friend also was like, this is a good one for you to start on because there it's not hills, mountains the entire time. Like there's a lot of flat after you get past the first 20 miles. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. It's um, so Antelope Island. It's this really low key um, ultra and it's seen by the ultra running community as like an easy ultra, but it's not. I've, I've been there. I've, I've DNF there during the hundred miler. Um, so it's, it's, if anything, it's one of those races where it's so runnable in sections, you have to force yourself to slow down and, and it can be technical. And it's also probably one of the more beautiful ultras I've run. And let's see here. Yeah. And that's one thing. Oh, sorry. No, I'm just, if you live, you live in Salt Lake, right? I live in Provo. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would mm-hmm. take at least two times to um, visit the island and and run there, so it doesn't seem awesome. as intimidating. Awesome. Great. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so that's and that's one thing I was wondering. Um, like when watching your documentary, how in the world do you know which direction to go? Like, are these trails? I've gotten lost on road races. Like clearly my sense of direction isn't the greatest. So how do you not get lost on these ultras? Are are they marked very clearly or do you need to really study the map before? uh, I mean, it depends on the race a lot of like the shorter races. So like the 50 K's and the 50 miles are really well marked as the courses get longer. It becomes more difficult of a task for like the race director to course mark. So the markings become less like less reliable sort of okay um, but you don't have to worry about it for for antelope island a lot of cases okay, there's good. only one single trail but going off trail okay. i mean like like you mentioned in the moab 240 i went off trail probably yeah. five five times oh my goodness um i tagged on two miles of additional race so because 240 wasn't long enough already um, just wanted to show everyone up. <laughs> just yeah, I mean, and there's honestly, Casual. there's probably a guy out there that ran like five or six miles longer. So, um, you do have to pay attention. Wow. It's part of it's it's a balance. So like you want to be in, I call it flow. It's like that mm-hmm. perfect mental state where you're basically floating down the trail. Um, but you have to be mentally aware enough to know like okay, like there should be a turn coming up in the next few mile or like next quarter totally. half a mile so you have to be scanning for the tags and it'll become second nature and there's occasionally times where like it's just not marked and it happens like you go off trail it sucks um i <laughs> I, I was running another race in moab actually with the leader the female leader of the race and we both went off course wow. for like a mile or two and she ended up taking no away like, 40th overall like because we just went off course so yep um it it shouldn't be a concern of yours i would say um just pacing yourself okay is probably a bigger concern than the course markings um okay and it's like it's like the wall running through the wall Mm -hmm. is uh like the big marathon situation i would say um it's how many walls do you have to go through in ultra running? Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's amazing to me because I'm used to with the marathon. I mean, there's, there's like a mile or two where you're like really struggling, you know, but for you guys, I mean, how many times have you hit that wall? Like was 50% of that race in the wall? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I mean, Moab was weird. I had 30 miles of, of hitting the wall because uh the aid stations were spaced out so far apart that yep. i mm-hmm. couldn't get to the food that i needed um so i just had mm-hmm. to kind of hike and gut it out and i was i was joined by another uh, a woman that was from mexico didn't speak any english and the two of us really? just like 
kind of banded together and got through it. She she ended up dropping at the next aid station. Um, but you have that happen sometimes, you know? Oh, wow. Because didn't your fuel come out of your bag or something? I had my headphones in. I was okay. I was jamming out and feeling yep. really good. And I pulled my yep. my hiking poles out of my bag and I pulled out my... Pulled out, oh, yes. Bag. The fuel. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. So <sighs> we're hitting on a, a big point in ultra running and that is fueling and hydration take a whole different level of importance. So yes, a lot of marathons. I've heard, How many gels did you take when you, you broke three hours? I think I took five total, but okay. I also, um, I took a lot of fuel in before. So that kind of helped me out. Um, but yeah, I took four or five. I'm trying to remember and that's so it. So four or five gels is like what you carry on you basically. Yep. Uh, at the beginning of a 50 miler, I'd say if the eight stations are spaced out and Antelope Island's actually a hammer nutrition sponsored race. So like you have to study what would be at the eight stations. Sometimes if you're really trying to hit a next level at an ultra, like even practice using their fuel because then you don't have to carry as much. Totally. Um, but you do you study the course and how far away each aid station is. But um, you'll see a lot of ultra runners are fat adapted. And that, okay. that's because uh, you potentially, I mean, once you burn through glycogen, as you know, like those last two miles are horrible. So mm-hmm. essentially a lot of our nutrition is tilted towards slower running. So like we're not... We're not going to be hitting like 630 pace mm-hmm. ever, um, but we're never depleting our glycogen reserves or at least trying not to. And so oh, okay. it's, it's um, much more heart rate based training and it's much, it's slower, methodical and just keep kind of topping off reserves as much as possible and never redlining because the second you redline, you know, like the potential to bonk and like really hit the wall is, is right there. It's high. Yeah. And the ultra ultras are normally on trails or like an extreme location. So hydration becomes a really big deal too. Like, like the Boston marathon this year, I've probably run in those conditions during races, maybe three or four times this year. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So it's like Boston's kind of normal. Um, and you just have to be prepared with layers and monitoring like sweat levels and that sort of thing. So a lot more thinking is involved. Okay. But here's one thing that drew me to ultras is eating real food. And you're talking about all these gels. I'm so over gels. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to (laughs) like, I just, but I'm sure you guys still take a lot of them. But I also hear people using like Snickers for fuel or potato chips and things like that. Is that something you do or no? So my strategy, uh, it's kind of like the antithesis of yours in a sense. Um, I don't eat any sugar normally. And so like, oh, really? yeah, no oh, sugar. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I know, right? Well, there. don't get me wrong. Ultra is special. So like you have a Claire Gallagher who won Leadville in almost a course record time, eating frosting and gummy bears. So don't worry. There's See, that's what I need. <laughs> there are people that make it work. Um, so there's something called a gut bomb, which if yep. you ingest like way too much sugar or way too much of something, like you can have serious tummy issues on the trail uh, because you're yep. out there for so much longer. So you never Absolutely. really experience a full blown gut bomb when you're doing a marathon. No. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you're eating real food, it then adds in another whole variable set. I use something called perpetuum. That's that's, that's my okay. secret. It's like this long burning um, carbohydrate. Fuel. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I use Generation You Can is for marathons. Is that kind of a similar? I think it's thing? close. Is that fat okay. adapted type? Oh, I should have researched more. I don't know, but whatever it is, my stomach has loved it. Nice. Then so, stick with it. Yes. I, so maybe I'll keep doing that. That's I, Every guest I 
every guest that I have on has like their own fueling source. Sometimes it's hammer. A lot of times it's not. And stick with what works because you've tested it enough. And, yeah, but, that's true. I mean, for me, I, I stomach uh, gels as long as possible. So just like boring, boring, boring. Yep. Sometimes they have caffeine. I change up the flavors. I'll have in a typical, like a 50 miler, I would say a minimum of 10 gels. And so, wow. yeah, gels, perpetuum, because the second you fall behind fuel is when you're at that next aid station and you're thinking about dropping. So like you can't fall behind on fuel. Totally. You can ingest so much that you can't digest it. So it's like kind of a balance and, uh, yeah, enough on that. It's just totally different. I just got to experiment, right? I just got to stick with it and try it all. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you can even go out to Antelope Island and test it, which is even better. Like I'm a big proponent of train, like on the same exact kind of course profile that your, your goal race is on. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you do that for Moab? Did you go out to Moab and practice at all? Or do you have areas near you that you were able to kind of mimic the course? Um, I, I've, I, well, first of all, I've run uh, a 50K there behind the rocks, 50K. Awesome. And so I knew generally what the trail conditions were like. And then Denver, believe it or not, say basically a desert. So, um, yeah, my local trails mimic that same exact texture and, and rockiness. So... That was the least of my worries. <laughs> okay. Yep. What was your biggest worry then? Sorry. I'm just so interested. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's very cool. Like I, I like collaborating with you. Um, I had only run a hundred miles. So going beyond that, uh, I just didn't know what that territory was going to look like or feel like. Cause yeah. I mean, it's one thing to run a hundred miles and be spent and be, sore and kind of limping for a week or whatever and have blisters and I just didn't know if I was capable of doing that so it was one of those like let's just take it one mile at a time and see what happens wow yeah incredible well I'm yeah because you like double two two and a half times (laughs) I'm blown away at your your sub three marathon so don't worry how how is your training um because I, I know you had a, a child recently. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had her in December. Okay. And then I took six weeks off um, of running completely. And then I started really slow. I worked with a coach and she had me starting really slow with everything, which was kind of like hard on me in the beginning because I wanted more and more. You know, I was like, I haven't been running fast for a year because of this baby being pregnant and everything. So I just want to, now's my chance. But I'm so happy she had me do it the way. And so I ran a half marathon in May and um, I got like a 130 or something, 131. And I was really disappointed. It was on a super easy course. And I was just disappointed because I was like, okay, this sub three is really far away. And then a few more months of training happened. And, and then in August, things started clicking really well. And that's kind of when the dream came back. Okay. Like maybe I do have this in October. Maybe this is a chance. So it took about nine, ten, nine or eight, eight months to kind of find myself again with running after having her. So it took some time, but it's amazing. But yeah, <laughs> so that's how the how the training worked for that. And what was like a typical week for you in terms of? I mean, were you spending a lot of time at the track? I mean, were you you were a new mom yeah. or you had a new yep. baby? So like, it was probably a lot of treadmill miles and. Yeah. So luckily I did the only run I did on the treadmill was the day before the marathon. I had a two mile run. So I actually did no training on the treadmill this time. Um, my husband is currently in school right now. And so he wasn't leaving super early for work or anything. So he was there with the kids, but I also got home. Um, I was able to leave early enough that I could get home by the time everyone was awake most days. And so I just would do early morning and maybe run with friends like every other week or something like that. But yeah, it was mostly, I did um, track workouts and then it turned into more road tempos and threshold and things like that. So usually one speed workout during the week, 
uh, usually like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and the speed would be about 10 to 13 miles. And then on Saturday, I had a long run, and some weeks it would be short. I'm not short. It would be easy pace. And then some weeks it would be like three by three miles at marathon goal pace or seven miles, you know, things like that. Um, and then the rest were all easy miles. And so my coach was really good at forcing me to like take the easy days easier so that the hard days I could do better. And that is like the most (laughs) underestimated. I, I tell my listeners like every episode, like Michael Owen, a, a friend of mine took sixth place in the Columbus Marathon. Um, wow. Yeah, which is a big city marathon. And he was like, oh, yeah. I only I only train like 90% or 10% hard, 90% is easy. And I was like, wait, yep. what? Like, you're Seriously. running with guys from Ethiopia. Like, is that is that real life? Um, so I applied Absolutely. that myself and I've seen huge benefits and so you saw the same thing, like oh, really, yeah. really making like, your easy runs easy and vice versa. It was a whole different ballgame because if I look back on previous marathon training cycles where I was going for that sub three, if I'm looking at these weeks, I'm just tired reading about them because it was like three speed workouts in the week. And then my easy days were like, I mean, they were easier, but they were still you know, I was doing like seven thirties for my easy days. And then this training yeah. cycle, I was doing eight fifty nine, nine fifteen, nine thirty. you know? And so it's just crazy to me. Like I was working a lot harder during previous marathon cycles, but it didn't get me my goal. It, the thing that got me my goal was like really pushing it on the hard days and then everything else, just being super honest about, and that might also be because I was doing more solo run, running this, um, last training cycle than previous ones. And so I think in previous ones, maybe I was like running with people and kind of pushing things a little bit more than I should have on my easy days because they were all going faster and they were in better shape than I was and things like that. So trying to keep up with them. And then this one, I was doing it on my own. So it was like, okay, I'm really going to take this easy because I have nobody here, but the podcast I'm listening to, to, (laughs) to like compete with or try to feel like I need to keep up with. So no, I'm like the biggest believer in that now of it, and it's just nice. It's nice to give your body that break and kind of just take care of it. So, I mean, the highest, my highest mileage week, I think was 63, 65. So I'm not a super high mileage runner. Um, in the first place, I just, I get injured a little bit easier with so, super high mileage and being uh, a mom. That's it's just not, it's not in my realm right now and working. So it's, I do what I can. <laughs> you're okay. So again, I'm not a coach. I've only been doing this for three years. Um, That's crazy to me, by the way. Like the fact you've done been, this is your fourth year, right? Of running, like of actually running. That's just incredible. I started from a a negative. So I'm just like thankful to get out for a lunch run 5k. Like seriously. Um, (laughs) Thank you. That's really nice of you. I mean, from my perspective, I think you're actually ready for a 50 miler. So I think you have a ton of time to practice nutrition and hydration, because I think that's going to be the key elements to you finishing antelope 50 miler. Um, because you haven't really tested like, okay, I'm 10 hours into a race. Like, you know what I, I mean? Sure like it's, it's a totally different realm. I'm going to tell you though, your base level fitness, you're ready to finish the race. So I think That's if cool. you had to do it tomorrow, you could finish. It's going to be, totally. it would be super painful yep. and probably mm-hmm. like a really bad experience. And your, your odds <laughs> of DNFing are going to be super high, but you could gut yep. it out and finish. Um, I'm really stubborn. So I think I have that going for me, like obnoxiously stubborn. So hopefully that'll help me on race day. I'm guessing. That's what I love about you. Honestly, that's why I'm talking to you. You have the ultra runner mentality, like, and you're totally just humble and open to like, I don't know anything about X, Y, Z. Like, yep. Like that's, that's a lot of what, um, ultra running is. So um, I, I think, yeah, you'll definitely figure it out. It's just a lot of practicing little things. So I don't know, like running with a vest, like most marathon training type runs, you're not taking a hydration vest. You're nope. not actually weighting it the way it's going to be weighted during a race. So like mm-hmm. two bottles, 
minimum of 12 liters on each side or ounces and you know carrying that fuel with you carrying the backup gloves and jacket in case it rains and you know oh like, yeah like this you, is so different your training should mimic race day just like it mm -hmm. does in in your marathon training kind of like that last big long run before you go for it um, oh yeah and yeah so you need to get your gear prepared and and train with that gear on you so you get used to like That's okay i need a salt tab or electrolyte tab right now like start listening to your body a little bit closer and yeah yeah because that's that's another thing i haven't even thought about um because with this last marathon on some of the long runs we were able to get a babysitter for the early morning and my husband would ride his bike with me and he literally carried everything like my lip gloss my my gels my water because that's what i was going to do on race day like i wasn't going to be carrying anything because i wanted to practice not caring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I took my gels with me, but that's it. And so that's so, I didn't even think so about the totally difference different in... mind frame. Like I'm, so I have a 200 miler planned for next year and it's kind of like, wow. it's right on the horizon. Like I know what I'm in, in store for. And yep. I, I'm thinking about getting like a weight to actually put into my vest to mimic all the oh stuff I'm going to have to carry. I'm going to have to carry a bunch of gear so yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, forget your pace. Like it doesn't matter if you're running 12 minute miles for that outing and it's even flat. Like it doesn't matter. Like no one, first of all, no one's going to ask you what time you finished your 50, 50 mile Antelope Island race in. And if they do, I mean, That's so right. true. it's, it's more of, did you finish a 50 mile race? So that's so true. Yeah. Totally different world. That's so okay. My question is: Do you ever have the desire to do the Barkley Marathon? That was like the first pod or not podcast documentary I watched on um, ultras, and it just seemed insane to me. Is that on your radar at all? Yeah, I it is. Yeah, for sure. John Kelly. Awesome. John Kelly's been on the show a few times. Um, I haven't had Gary on yet, and uh, I can't get into the damn race. So oh no! It's, they only let in like I forget forty people or something. On your podcast, I know you should have the hookups. I know, and honestly, um, so one of the biggest compliments I got during Moab two forty was one of the aid station captains at two oh one also heads up all the volunteering for Hard Rock one hundred, and he's like, "You have you're the most I forget what he said like." with it of any person that's come through here like mentally really? so i'm thinking i could navigate barkley like actually pretty well in a sleep deprived state now that i know i'm just going to hallucinate hallucinate a bunch of snakes um... snakes oh that was so funny <laughs> and kind of creepy where i'm like there's no snakes <laughs> it was okay so there were pine cones there yeah. were pine cones that got smashed down and so when you look down like it looked like coiled snakes oh, gosh. like small yeah. you, you've seen snakes while you're running and yeah they uh they were I messing mean, with I... my head i saw a bunch of other stuff that i'll share in my book but i'm keeping tight-lipped on certain things but yeah Seriously. it's um i'm hoping if i ever get to that point like i'm seeing like donuts or like some <laughs> like a fluffy dog like i seeing snakes that would be really That'd be intense. I'd be I, freaking out. I'd be screaming. <laughs> I, I saw one of the photographers behind a log um, taking pictures because you just, your brain starts processing and trying to make things normal for you. And, totally. and I talked to my pacer and he's like, no, there is, there was There's no nothing. photographer there. And I kept hearing people like, you know how you go on a run you just hear normal, like oddity, like, like a little kid screaming. It's like totally normal. And we were, out, we were in the middle of nowhere, and I was hearing, like, faint, like, things that I know there's no way that was really happening. Um, so yeah. It, yeah, it gets weird, but don't worry about that with a 50-miler. 50, 50. I'm not going to get there, right? I No, you definitely won't. It's it's more sleep deprivation on the third night that things oh, get weird. Goodness. So, yeah, unless you hey, really see, go for uh, it. That's what's... So... I mean, people are like, oh, if you do 50, you're going to want to do 100 someday. And I, 
I'm the kind of person where like, no, I sleep nine hours at night. Like I'm not a very nice person if I don't get at least seven hours of sleep. So I don't know if that's ever going to tempt me. (laughs) I'm I'm totally the same way. That's the weird, that's the weirdest thing. Like you take these like little cat naps and they rejuvenate you. you 20 minutes. You're like, Oh man, I'm feeling so much better after 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I had a 45 minute nap and it oh, was 45. like the best nap. It was, I felt like I had a whole night of sleep. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. The body and mind. It's, it's incredible. I, I think you have it though. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's awesome. Like I, I'm going to be honest. Like I'm not trying to build you up. Like, you know, I, I want you to be, Keep prepare, going. Prepare for the race. Yeah. Yeah. You, how much did you pay you me? show up I, and curse your name and be like, I didn't ch- even train for this. Cause... Um, no, I think, I think you have what it takes. And I mean, a lot of that, it's as stupid as it sounds. Like those negative critics that, you know, are like chastising your decision on colors that you wore for, you, you know, critics. Like, yeah. Oh, I do. Um, I, only yeah. got, I only have a taste of <laughs> it. You're, cool. <laughs> you're, I mean, if anything's building you up for a, an ultra, it's be able to handle all the criticism, differences and totally. opinions, yeah. all that stuff. Like, um, but yeah, your stubbornness, as you call it, for getting into that sub three hour marathon, I think proves that you're going to have the stubbornness to keep going until keep you finish. Going. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be fun because I think my husband and I kind of have different strengths um, with his, he's, he just is so good at climbing and I'm a little bit better on the, like the endurance flat or the running part. And so I think we'll be able to, cause we want to run the whole thing together or do the whole thing together. So I think cool. that's going to be really beneficial for us for this first one too, to have each other Yeah, for um, sure. to kind of pull each other when one's feeling good and one's feeling like crap. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's, it, it could be hard too, but I think it's yeah, important true. to have, um, that motivation, like that external motivation and mm-hmm, essentially mm-hmm. you guys have a pacer, so it's cool. Exactly. Like, um, you know, my pacers played a huge role in all of my ultras that I utilize them in. So, and did um, you meet your pacers through trail running or did you meet them elsewhere? All, yeah. All, all throughout life but yeah i think That's most really of them cool. were ultra runners because we were getting into the realm of hey will you go run like 25 miles with me or whatever like the distance itself was yeah you know, there's just not many people you can call in to like uh go do some kind of difficult techie terrain that has like 10,000 feet of gain yeah, like, it's hard to find people that want to wake up early and do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and yeah, it you, you'll end up doing this. I know you will, but you'll call totally. in people like you. You're basically calling in a favor, and when and you'll repay it later. <laughs> when yeah, when the phone rings and they need you to pay them in for something, and it, that's part of the ultra running community. We're all here to like support each other and make each other's dreams a reality. And I um, love that. Yeah, it's it's the so best cool. community and I think you're going to just absolutely love it. So yeah, you'll you'll be addicted and yes. <laughs> you'll be putting your name in for Western States here in a year or two. Yeah. So don't worry. <laughs> I just need to find like I mean, do they have jogging shoulders for the trails that are really good? I know, <laughs> right? No, if I knew a one, I'd, I'd have one. <laughs> Trust me, I'd have my my newborn in one too. So So what's Oh, you have a newborn? Yeah, he's like six months. My goodness. Six oh, months, like yesterday, actually. Awesome. Yeah. No way. How fun. See, yeah, we got to come up with one of those. But I was going to ask you, what about, I have a treadmill that goes up to 40% incline. Okay. Um, so it does do, and it goes down to like 10 or 12% negative. So, I mean, do a lot of people train on the treadmill um, for at least a portion of their ultra training? Because I feel like if I can train on there, then... At least some of it, I can get in a bit more than absolutely going to the trail. The time. I, I think sustaining your base fitness is key. So, like, okay. sustain what you have developed because you're already ahead of the game, honestly. And if you were to have a good race, like for a 50k, I think you've almost already um, developed everything you need 
I I interviewed Zach Miller, who's you know one of the top ultra runners in the whole world. Wow. On uh, on YouTube, and his main thing that he said was uh, basically tweak a marathon training plan. So if you really? get a, yeah, if you get a chance, it's like an eight minute video um, awesome. from like literally one of the top runners in the whole world. And, uh, like, I feel like you're right on that path. So yes. And it's, don't forget about the descents because those will beat the heck out of your quads. Your quads. <laughs> yeah. Your, your descents, um, you'll see the real experienced guys, not bombing like, okay. Middle of the pack crushers, not bombing those. Like you'd think they'd bomb them. So like you can totally. tell there's like a slight save my quads for the next, 40 miles in each step that they do. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so like initially, but how do you do that? How do you save your quads a little bit? <laughs> practice. Okay. But just practice and just bomb, building the strength and bomb, building the, bomb the downhills a few times. Uh, okay. Have to deal with the consequences of bombing downhills for 20 miles. Okay. And then you'll quickly realize like, Oh, you'll adapt and learn how yeah, to, but you, you beat those up enough. Um, actually during training that they will oh, um, harden up a little bit, but you still during race day are conserving them. But yeah, the uphill too. And I would say, Hey, this sounds crazy. Put on your full pack. So I knew I, Nathan's been a big supporter of mine. I got to give them a shout out, a shout out. Um, I saw you like their belt. So yeah. Oh, yeah, I love they it. make a, a Stephanie Howe vest or they make a, a lot of vests. Um, try to pick one of those up and then awesome. stuff it with a jacket, race day stuff, fill the two front bottles and get on the treadmill and crank it to 14 oh. and hike and yep. then pretend mm -hmm. like you've, you've peaked out and you're going downhill and crank it down and just imagine you're at Antelope Island during your training. Like you really have to awesome. focus in on the terrain. Mm -hmm. So it could be techie which is going to slow your pace down. Maybe it rains that day. Like when I ran it, it was really freaking cold to start with. And then it got Ooh, hot, hot enough. So you have to practice like taking your jacket off, packing it, yep. like controlling your sweat levels and, and drinking and eating on the run uh, needs to become natural to you. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know what my husband's going to do. It was 27 degrees for our run today. And no joke, he was in a short sleeve shirt. I had like hand warmers and gloves and three layers on. So <laughs> I think he's really hoping for a cold day. And I don't know what he's going to do if it warms up too much. <laughs> I mean, <during> the day. <laughs> it's weird because you'll you'll overdress for like one race. And that's like the time. And then you learn. Yeah, you're like hamstring seizes up because of dehydration. And you're like, oh, OK, I over sweated. So like maybe I need to wear less layers. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you'll you'll figure it out. It's um, you'll gain a lot just from doing these races, and you'll have bad races, you'll have good races, but I I almost guarantee you're gonna come away from each race with just like a lifetime memory, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it has nothing to do about the race itself. Maybe it's like the conversation you had with someone around a campfire. You know, like it's it's so really like it's a cool experience. I think well, and really I just like find my some of my most like spiritual or just some of my like deepest feelings have been in like on the trails or nature. You know what I mean? Just being surrounded totally. by that. And so just being able to put myself there during the training more is like, I don't know. It's just so good for us. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, it's as weird as we are wanting to push ourselves to these next levels. Like there's just something, something else that's hard to describe. Why, why? 50 miles what would spark that curiosity how did well, you even hear about ultra running i mean this is such a weird subculture like total yeah. total ultra running communities like maybe thirty-five thousand people <laughs> well i think at first got with that friend of mine i went um we went to lunch together after the marathon. She wanted to hear about the marathon and everything. And she was, and I wanted to hear about all of her trail adventures and ultras and things. And so I think it was that conversation that kind of got things going in my brain of like, I know like a 50 K is going to be beyond challenging for me because I mean, 
it's the trail running is just a whole different beast than the road, but I know I could do that at this point. And so I wanted to do something that I like, I really don't know if yeah. I can, I mean, I'm going to, cause I'm stubborn, but like, I really don't know how this is going to play out. And so I wanted a challenge like that, just like the sub three marathon goal is like, that's, that's really, that's not just like a little goal for me. This is like something that's going to take a lot of work and, and that's what I wanted. Um, and so, yeah, people are saying I'm crazy because I am not doing a 50 K first, but I think that's kind of why. <laughs> no, I, okay. And a lot of people would probably be like, Oh, why'd you pick Antelope Island? I, I would counter with you pick the perfect first ultra. So really screw Good. them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, what's a 10 K after a marathon if you've actually paced the 50 K correctly. So Totally. Um, and if I'm doing it slower and including walking and hiking and things like that. So that's where I was just like, this is just like, it's more like the, it's just seemed more like a dream to me than like the 50 K was like, yeah, I know I can do that. But the 50, I was like, okay, no, that's dreaming right there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you need. Um, and you need to live like 50 miles from the race so that when you drive there, it scares the crap out of you. Awesome. Um, <laughs> no, we, probably, we probably are about 50 miles. That was my, I'm not even kidding. That was my crazy. first 50. I lived exactly 50 miles from it. And no way. I didn't have a meltdown while I was driving there, but yeah, I basically did. Um, but so that's cool. perfect. It scares you just enough to keep you yep. honest. Like it's going to keep you honed in on training and so really quick because i know you have to take oh, off yeah. here shortly um <laughs> your gear is going to change so uh your trail running shoes you need to have two main things and i've learned this the hard way um oh no because it took hey, i'm me, writing this down it took me out of a, a hundred mile race um <gasps> you need a toe guard a shoe with toe, toe guard so okay. like you're going to kick rocks. It's just going to happen. Happen. Um, yeah. It happens less and less as you become more efficient with your gait and you you become more of a, um, like a forefoot or midfoot strike as opposed to like heel strike. So a lot of marathoning, okay. like heel striking is fine and you can get away with it because it's a flat surface. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to be kicking rocks. You need a toe guard and then you need a rock plate. A lot of times they're, just built into the most modern shoes. Yep. Um, okay. That's so if you step on a real sharp rock, it doesn't pierce through the bottom Kill of the you. shoes and yep. slice your foot. So those two Good. things are like key elements. Probably important. And yeah. You, I mean, you, your career will be very short if you slice yeah. through the wrong way. Um, <laughs> Mile one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to think of like massive gear changes. So like, uh, I would say with socks, um, you're going to start thinking about putting like squirrels nut butter on your toes and slipping your feet in whatever sock that you choose. Um, okay. This is like another language right here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. Um, <laughs> but that's so, fun. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to just like learn a whole new thing. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Squirrels like, nut butter. Little Got things right. like, like making sure your feet are good, like. And immediately, if there's a rock in your shoe, stop, get pull over, get it out now, because oh. it might be mile 20 and you're like, oh, this isn't a big deal. But then when it's mile 40 and it's a massive blister and you're that like, terrible. yeah, <gasps> so you take, take oh. care of problems immediately or you pay the price later. That's so true. Yeah. Um, I'm writing these things down, even though I could re-listen to this. This is just like really good information. <laughs> Typing in your blog, like real time. Yes, um, there we go. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other like, gear related. Oh, okay. So chafing is not like a minor issue. It's a major issue. Like deadly. Uh, it is deadly in this, in this, uh, yeah, weird world of ultra running. Because again, it's just like the, um, like a rock in your shoe a small little chafing issue becomes like debilitating. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you progress. Cause I know a hundred K is going to be 2020 goal, which is going to be yep. Western mm -hmm. States qualifier. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. you'll be in States. Uh, I'm getting there soon. <laughs> 20, probably 2026. Um, awesome. Great. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> chafing again, like, uh, and 
chafing in different areas than you'd expect. And I've actually yeah. responded to a lot of female questions like, okay, my vest is rubbing like my lower rib cage. Oof. And so like you'll have all kinds of different chafing issues than you'd normally experience, but experience it enough that you know how to remedy the issue. And a lot of that's your training and long runs. See, and I feel like runs. this is going to make me realize how dramatic I was in my previous training cycles where I got like a little chafing on my back or something and was like so dramatic about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This will make me realize like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was that was nothing. <laughs> I mean, to this. it's I think what it is, is it like ultra running kind of totally skews your concept of time. So like yeah. uh something that might be an issue for 15 minutes during a marathon becomes like 15 hours during a uh, ultra. Um, wow. So yeah, tape, tape is the solution. This, this girl was like, she, like seriously, a guy figured out my problem of chafing, <laughs> like <laughs> um, of every response, like a guy figured this out, but yeah, like KT tape, like to stop the chafing or, okay. Yeah, like a squirrel's nut butter or something to just awesome. stop it. And yeah, a lot of it's Perfect. just practice. I can't think of anything else. I mean, practice. Train train for your ultra. And uh, that's a lot of what those long runs are best are for. for. I mean, yeah, they help your legs, but it's more of they help you practice solving problems. Hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's a good thing I love the training. So <laughs> yeah. Anything else before we go? I mean, um, I'm sure I'll have about 50 million more questions along the way, but I can't thank you enough to do it for doing this. Let's do it. You're like a pro. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like a middle of the pack crusher pro. Um, no, but like 242 <laughs> miles. We're counting that. It was an extra two miles, right? Yeah. Point was three. A, oh yeah. Two point, 242.3 miles is like, that's a whole nother world. So you are a pro to all of us. Oh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. And what I think we'll do is we'll have a follow-up. So Oh, awesome. Next, yeah, next time, maybe a month or two, whenever you want. Um Perfect. We'll do a follow-up because I think the listener will gain some some learning from this and you know, it, it's enjoyable hearing about your experience venturing into the unknown, into ultra running. And totally. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and maybe I'll even have my husband join in for a few minutes because totally. he doesn't love running like I do. Like he does it. He does. He loves the after and he loves the fact he can eat more pizza from it. And so it's, <laughs> it's interesting to hear his like perspective him. too. On, yeah. Right. <laughs> on all of the training too. So we'll have to have him say hi and tell him. Absolutely. Tell you how <laughs> I mean, start running through scenarios. So like, okay, awesome. if I hit mile 40, and I'm done. What happens? Oh, yeah. Like what yep. do you do? Mm -hmm. um, but I'll, I'll finish with this. During the first mile of Moab 240, I saw yeah. a guy and a girl couple holding hands while they were running. So they were both wow. doing Moab, which is just like kind of mind blowing that they went in like that. And wow. Yeah. I haven't followed up. I don't know the couple, but it was one of the very few videos I took, like within the very first mile. I was just like, it was just amazing seeing a couple holding hands and running during the first mile together. So Man, um, maybe their hands ended up shaking. This, you're not alone <laughs> with this crazy idea of running an ultra with your significant other. Yeah. Like when, you, you know, now we've been doing our dates is like trail runs and stuff. <laughs> and he's like, this is not like, this is not my kind of date. Like let's go to dinner and a movie. And I'm like, let's go in the mountains for two hours. And like, he's like, how is this relaxing to you? But it is. And he's happy. He likes it kind of. <laughs> so we'll, we'll definitely follow up with you. Awesome. And yeah, thank you for taking so much time. And I, oh, I can't wait to hear you. more about your, your guys date nights because I'm, <laughs> we're doing date nights a little different. Uh, I'm not going to lie. And uh, awesome. we'll, we'll talk about training with kids and all that sort of stuff. Awesome. So we're, where can Great. people follow you on social media and in the web? Yeah, so basically I do, I just, I post every day on my blog, hungryrunnergirl.com. Sometimes it's about running. Sometimes it's about food and life and whatever I'm thinking about at the day. And then I post pretty regularly on Instagram too. So that's hungry runner girl. So 
But other other than that, I can't keep up with all the social media channels. <laughs> that's where I that's where I draw the line. So well, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. And you sound super excited. So that's like half the battle is staying excited to get out and train. So enjoy it. Don't forget to enjoy your training. And yeah, we'll we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Bye. And that's episode 66. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Destination Trail, and Exoskin. All huge supporters. Big thank you to the Patreon supporters. You guys make this all work. Couldn't do it without you guys. So enjoy your week. Don't forget to enjoy your training.